You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 57 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and joining me today, first time in a little while, uh, a good friend of the podcast and a fellow uh, scorned basketball fan to me, uh, Scott Coleman. What's up, man? Thanks for having me on, Brad. Glad we uh, we only have one more week. This time we're recording this Sunday night, and uh, this time next week we will have baseball on TV. So glad to finally be nearing an end to the off season. Uh, yeah, I mean, as 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 this recording is Sunday night, uh, tomorrow will be a week from opening day, and while you know there's no baseball in Atlanta for a little bit while for a little while after that, wisely as the Braves took that very very late open date uh, to SunTrust Park, um, yeah, there's baseball happening. It feels like it's almost uh, closer than I want to think it is, considering I, I know like uh, like I have, you've been watching a ton of college basketball the last couple of weeks, um, and sadly that ended poorly for both of us in the last few days, but. Um, it sort of is the reminder that baseball's baseball's here, which is nice for sure. And uh, I, I won't make you talk about it, but uh, did did you have it as rough? Of, uh, I guess I don't even have to ask you. I know you had it as rough as I did, probably worse than I did, because I think you're more invested than I am in Arizona basketball. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> as an Arizona alum, um, I, I've kind of become used to falling short in March. Um, you know, we've, we, of course, in the 90s and early thousands were seemingly in the Final Four every couple of years, and now it's uh, 16 years and counting since their last Final Four. So, But uh, good for Xavier. I'm glad they uh, at least were able to make it through the Elite Eight. Um, but, yeah, March isn't as fun whenever your team loses to an 11 seed. Yeah, shouts to Xavier for then going on and losing by 26 in the next round, too. Thanks, thanks for that, Musketeers. Uh, but no. Uh, uh, <laughs> and Michigan, of course, uh, lost. I talked, uh, last week on, on the podcast, talked a lot about uh, Michigan losing uh, or w- well, winning at that point, but they lost this week, which is you know to be expected considering my aspirations were not quite as high as yours for this year's team. But it was a fun ride uh, throughout. And uh, as, we, as, as we both said, it's, it's baseball season now, which is nice. Um, well, Scott, before we get to anything else, man, uh, the Braves are 7-21 and in spring training, and I cannot tell you how many times people have asked me if this matters, so I'm going to ask you this question. Does it matter at all that the Braves have the worst record in the, in the major leagues in spring training? No, it, it really doesn't, and I think that's, um, you know, on surface value, you see 7-21, and and it's just kind of natural to worry because anytime your team has lost 21 of 28 games, um, but again, these are exhibitions. The Braves are bringing in their guys who are going to be, you know, fill-in guys at Gwinnett. And then, of course, the younger kids down in, uh, you know, low A ball. They're playing half the games. Um, Ender and Ciarte missed time with the WBC. Freddie Freeman, of course, missed time with the the WBC. So, no, don't worry about it. Um, if the Braves open the season 7-21, and yeah, you can uh, you can start to really worry. I guess that's kind of what they did last year. <laughs> but no, um, you know, the, the spring training is means nothing. 
um, especially when you consider the Braves have so many veterans who, you know, are in their 10th plus spring training. Um, you know, Brandon Phillips, Dickey, Bartolo, Nick Markakis, those guys have been around for, you know, 10, 15 years at this point. If they have a rough, uh, rough couple starts in the spring, it's really nothing to be worried about. Yeah, I almost even didn't even bring it up, only because I care that little about the spring training record. But enough people, enough people asked when we put out the call for questions about spring training records and things that I always wanted to bring it up. But uh, I couldn't be less worried, um, at least any more than I already was. You know, we were. I think you and I are both uh, not not super duper negative, but not super positive either about this team uh, this season. But at the same time, uh, I don't care at all. If the Braves were twenty, uh, were twenty one and seven, I also wouldn't care. So it's not like it's it's only negative. I, I just even if if, if, if if they were twenty six and two, I probably wouldn't care. To be honest about yeah. spring, about spring training, God, can so. you imagine? Can you imagine the uh, the the blogs and, and Twitter and everything like that? If if the Braves were were twenty six and two right now, I, I think people would be flying to Vegas to put uh, World Series bets down. And you know, if anything, the slow start to the spring might just kind of pump the brakes a little bit. I remember maybe two months ago there was a thread about you know why can't the Braves make the playoffs this year and. Trust me, I would love for the Braves to make the playoffs as much as anybody, but I think uh, this slow start in the spring will hopefully just remind people that this is a team that's that's more than likely going to be uh, just below 500 this year. Yeah, for sure. That's, that sounds about right as well. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's a good point that I hadn't considered. I'm almost glad that it's not gone well um, if only two temper expectations because they were going to get out of control. Uh, just because, I mean, people already are. Uh, I've seen a ton of people who I think are, you know, reasonably smart uh, talking about, you know, 80 to 85 wins. And I just, I can't get there. But, you know, optimism is fun. It's nice. Hope springs eternal, as we as I like to say in, in the baseball world. But there you go. Uh, a couple, couple things of news to hit on. Not a huge news week for the Braves, but at the same time, Couple of decisions to make, of course, in the uh, on the bench and in the bullpen. Uh, the most recent check that I have here, I guess we'll start with the bench first. Um, is that Mark Bowman of LB.com, a good friend of the program, even though he's not been on the program. Mark is uh, the best in the business, so we'll say that. Um, he he indicates that uh, the three uh, quote unquote locks for the bench at this moment are Jace Peterson, Kurt Suzuki, and Emilio Bonifacio, which I cannot believe I've just said his name. In, in, in conjunction with a lock on the bench, but uh, if we assume those three guys are the bench, uh, he also is saying that it would, it would likely be uh, Chase Darno as the uh, final spot unless something happens and the Braves go outside the organization. Does that sound about right to you? And what do you think about the concept of the of the, the eight man bullpen? Because it's something that I I think we talked about in every podcast in the last couple of weeks, but at the same time. Uh, I've almost been just talking about it as if it was assumed because a lot of the beat writing was saying that it was going to be that that way. I, I'm against it, but uh, it, you know, if that's a four man bench, I'm a little bit terrified. I know, I know you and I talked about the bench already, but it's worth rehashing now, I guess. Yeah, there, there's not a whole lot there. Jace Peterson is a nice uh, little utility piece, and I'm sure he'll play at seven or eight of the positions on the diamond this year. But um, Kurt Suzuki is. He is hopefully an adequate backup for Flowers. Of course, if Tyler Flowers gets hurt, the Braves are in some trouble. Um, Emilio Bonifacio still being a big leaguer in 2017 is is kind of shocking. But I guess if uh, the Braves feel that he also has some versatility like Peterson, um, you know, decently fast base runner in case Matt Kemp beats one out in the ninth and, and they need <laughs> someone to try to swipe a bag. Um, you know, and Chase Darno again, he can kind of fill in all over the place. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's good at filling in all over the place. Um, and I was actually talking to somebody about this today, the eight man versus seven man bullpen. And at this point with some of the injuries to the bullpen, I'm not really sure how the Braves are going to fill out their, you know, their 23rd, 24th, 25th spot. So, uh, it's certainly a cause for concern, especially with guys like Mauricio Cabrera and the bullpen battling, 
some injuries, and of course, losing Sean Rodriguez for the year will hurt the bench. So we'll see. Um, I wouldn't be stu- I wouldn't be stunned if if uh, Copy brings in somebody uh, this week. It's just kind of a matter of of who makes other rosters and and what the asking price would be for you know that that twenty fourth, twenty fifth man on the on the bench. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we talk about the bullpen in a second, and I want to hit on that a little bit. But uh, Bowman actually did say and update this on Sunday afternoon, saying that the Braves are, and I quote, still leaning toward an eight-man pen, but they could go with seven if they can find a quality pinch hitting option and opt to use a five-man bench if they do that. Which I would prefer that. I've always would have. I always would have preferred that. I think an eight-man bullpen is just kind of silly, especially when you have uh, some guys who are uh, known for eating innings, like Cologne and Dickey, and even Cole Munter as an as an effective long man. You you really don't need an eight-man uh, an eight-man bullpen, in my opinion. But alas, uh, a lot of it comes down to just not having another good guy off the bench to carry. Um, I think you and I, from what you just said and what I've said in the past, Bonifacio being a lock on the bench is a terrifying proposition, but. In the same breath, it's not like he's keeping a spot from someone else. It's really terrifying. I mean, I, w- I kind of wish Rio Ruiz was going to be on this team. I mean, that's a question we could talk about. Me too. Um, yeah, but too. it seems like it's not going to happen. I mean, from everybody, unless it's a, it'd be a surprise to all the beat writers if they carry Rio uh, out of the gate. From everything that I've been reading over the last couple of weeks, so um, it's, not even, it's almost not worth talking about. I mean, we'll bring up Rio later in the podcast on a mailbag question, but I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I'd be surprised, pleasantly so, pleasantly surprised if they did that. But um, seems to be a long shot at this point, at least to start the season with uh, with Rio. Um, you mentioned the bullpen injuries. That's something we can definitely get to here, but. I don't know. In the same sort of uh, article, Bowman said there, that there are six near locks for the bullpen. Uh, Jim Johnson, Aroides Vizcaino, Jose Ramirez, Ian Kroll, Josh Coleman throws the long man, and the great Eric O'Flaherty is apparently now a near lock to make the bullpen, which is a crazy statement uh, that I would not have believed three weeks ago even. Um, but aside from that, there's some injury stuff. You know, Mauricio Cabrera has elbow discomfort now, might be uh, on the DL to open the season. He probably would be a lock if he was healthy, but not healthy at this moment. And uh, if, we, if we can assume that he's on the DL to open the year, the Braves have to fill two spots if they want to carry eight. And uh, the options are not ideal there. You know, you have Paco Rodriguez or Kevin Chapman on the left side, and then you have Chaz Rowe or I guess David Hernandez was a name that was bandied about today by Bowman and others on Twitter as the other option as a right-hander because Blaine Boyer was released earlier this week. Um, I don't know. I mean, we talked about eight versus seven. I guess if we assume the Rays carry two of these guys, who would you like to see and who do you think they will actually end up carrying? You know, both Paco and and Chapman from the left side, you know, Chapman was a guy who uh, was with the Astros most recently and was someone kind of similar to Mauricio Cabrera where he struck out everybody in the minor leagues, but he also walked just about every other batter that he faced in the minors. So um, a guy who who has some strikeout potential. Um, Paco, of course, was really pretty good for the Dodgers before undergoing an elbow surgery. He's a guy who hasn't really faced uh, big league hitters consistently for two years. I think that is honestly a coin flip. I think it's whoever has this be- this uh, you know this last week, whoever pitches a little bit better, um, might win that final spot. Um, it seems like the Braves like Chaz Rowe. Um, I know David Hernandez was signed today, and um, he was a guy who was cut last week. And I wonder if if he's maybe somebody who is more of a you know kind of waiting in Gwinnett whenever an, an injury inevitably happens. He had decent numbers last year. Um, so I would think that Rowe probably has a, probably has a leg up for that, the final right-handed spot, if you will. Um, if I had to, to guess, I would say Paco just based on his history. But, um, you know, again, you're, you're talking about the eighth man in the bullpen. Uh, they already have Kroll and O'Flaherty on the left side. 
uh, you know, deciding on which third lefty in the pen you want is, is really pretty minimal in, in the long run. And I would imagine that both guys get a shot to stick at, at some point. Yeah, it's amazing that O'Flaherty's come on the way he has, but he has pitched quite well in the spring. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm tempted to not believe in that very much, but uh, and I think uh, I don't know if it's fair to say this or not, but I'm going to say it anyway that if his name was not Eric O'Flaherty, um, I don't think that he'd be a lock to be on this team. Uh, you know, as good as he was, and he was very, very good in his prime with the Braves. I think if he had the same exact stuff and was not a Braves legacy, he wouldn't be a lock. But that's just me. Maybe I'm speculating wrong there. But he has, yeah. been, he has been good in the, in, in the spring. That's worth saying. I remember seeing when when the the release came out that the Braves had signed him. I kind of laughed. Me too. I, mean, I did laugh. I, it was like, geez, he's still around. You know, it was kind of like the running Kelly Johnson joke of the last couple of years. Who the Braves should still sign? Yes, um, but the uh, running joke of Eric, you know, the year is two thousand and thirty three, and Eric O'Flaherty is still pitching with the Braves. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember kind of laughing at it. And if you look at the relievers this spring, he probably has the best numbers of anybody. Um, so we'll see. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm not as, uh, optimistic as I was about the bullpen maybe a couple months ago. Um, but again, as, as we both said, we're talking about the, you know, the seventh, eighth men in the pen, you know, the 24th, 25th guys on the roster. Um, I would imagine that quite a few of these guys are going to get the chance to stick at some point. Um, especially when you consider that, you know, relievers have two or three bad nights and, and then they're sent back down. So we'll see. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the two kind of key position roster battles to keep an eye on this final week. Yeah, it might be, it might be a revolving door, as you mentioned there. And uh, the fact that I believe, uh, is Roe out of options? One of these guys is out of options. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, so there I you think, go. I think they ditched Boyer because they Roe is out of options. So for that fact, too, I would imagine they'll give him every shot to stick. Yeah, and as as for Hernandez, you mentioned he signed uh, was it today or yesterday? Um, he's uh, he'll be 32 in May. For those of you that don't know his work, a former Diamondbacks, he was actually closer for a minute in Arizona, as you might well know in your backyard, Scott. And mm-hmm. in general, it's pretty you know decent career, a career four point four point one ERA, which is not great, but a couple of years in the sub three five category when he was in Arizona, he's it was okay last year. Had a sub four ERA, did have a four point three two FIP last year in Philadelphia and seventy two and two-thirds innings, but uh, a strikeout guy, more than a strikeout per inning, right-hander, uh, could be a solid-ish guy, healthy and ready to go here, so I, I don't mind that pickup at all. He's probably, honestly, if you ask me today, I think if, if I'd rather have him or Chaz Rowe, I would pick David Hernandez, just based sure. on what, what I know about, about about both pitchers, but in the end, uh, it's probably going to be a, a revolving door at the end of the bullpen, so it's worth focusing on those guys for now, but uh, you know, in a couple weeks from now, we're not going to care. I mean, at least most people aren't going to care who that who that guy is, unless yeah. unless they're giving up four runs in the, in the ninth inning one night or something. But um, yeah, for the most part, it is it is kind of what it is. Um, last thing before we get to the rotation preview, which I know people are waiting for, um, there were some rumors this week about Jose Quintana. Uh, he, I feel like I've said that like like ten times in the off season, but they came back a little bit because he's apparently still on the market, um, even as spring training comes to a close. But John Hart sort of shut that down with an interesting quote that just says uh, basically, uh, and I quote, "I just don't." I just don't think we're there yet. We signed three one-year guys. We did that because we want to have a new stadium and all of the above. We're still growing this team. Our whole mantra has been young players. It's worked. We like where we've gone. Our farm system has gone from worst to first, and at this point, we're probably likely not going to move these guys. So that kind of pours some, uh, I don't know, pours something on, <laughs> pour something on something, pour some water on the fire, et cetera, et cetera, with Quintana. I still like to see him on the team, but I don't think it's going to happen. Does that sound about right? I think so. Um, to give a comparison, just so Braves fans listening might have an idea, there was a leaked uh, offer that the Astros supposedly made the White Sox for him, and it was the equivalent of the Braves probably offering Ronald Acuna, 
uh, Colby Allard and then maybe like a Dustin Peterson type. Um, and I just don't see the Braves doing that with more pieces involved too. Um, I just don't see the Braves doing it. I, I believe John Hart for as little as I've believed um, Hart and Copy over the last couple of years because whatever they've told the media, they, they've kind of done the opposite of. Um, whenever I, I just think of the imagined asking price, I just can't imagine they're ready to unload uh, multiple guys from their top 10 to get Quintana, um, a guy who has been very good, um, but also somebody who's thrown 800-plus innings the last four years. Um, he's thrown 200 innings in each of the last four seasons, and, and I think uh, the Braves are probably looking to get guys who don't have quite as much mileage on their arms, even if they are as good as someone like Quintana. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. And honestly, if they, if they pulled out that, that deal with, with just what you said, whether it be Acuna or Albies and then you know Allard and Peterson, I, I would not be upset if they did that. I would be surprised, not upset. Yeah, uh, same a, lo- here. a lot of fans would be upset because they've grown attached to prospect. That's kind of what we've been saying, at least I've been saying all along in the offseason, is that when the Braves finally do one of these deals, people are, people are not going to like the price just because people are attached and they just kind of think for the best on all these guys. Like suddenly Ronald Acuna has been, become the next Mike Trout over the last couple of weeks. Um, that's the kind of stuff that you, <laughs> that you hear and like in a non-joking fashion. Um, it's you know it's kind of wild, but uh, in the end, you you got to pay up to get some of these guys, especially because Quintana has four years of control. That's the big thing with him that makes him super duper attractive to a team like the Braves that doesn't have a massive payroll. Is to have that you know that Julio Tehran like contract to have two of those guys would be just fantastic for the Braves, give them a ton of flexibility. But uh, in the same breath, he's not a he's on a no doubt ace, and uh, the mileage would be a concern. So I'd be surprised, but. Uh, Worth talking about since it came up in the news, but uh, not a big deal as of today, I don't think. Uh, well, Scott, no. it's uh, it's time to close up the uh, the four part preview. Uh, you joined me for one of these, uh, and yeah, there's lots to talk about with the starting rotation. We say this for last on purpose because uh, I think uh, there's not it's not really the intrigue, but there is a lot of uncertainty. If that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, you know the Braves. They had a very clear mission this off season, and I think. I think they signed Dickey and, and Cologne within the first 10 days of the offseason. And then they traded for Jaime Garcia all of a week after that. So uh, they had a very clear plan after uh, the thing that always sticks out in my mind as I did the uh, kind of postmortem starting pitching look back on last year. The Braves used 16 or 17 different guys to start games last year. Um, that is legitimately amazing, especially when you consider some of those guys were um, Williams Perez, Joel De La Cruz, um, you know, the artist formerly known as Fausto Carmona. It was just kind of amazing to see how many guys they used. And it was quite, quite clear this, this offseason the Braves wanted to go with uh, some veterans instead of uh, you know, playing, playing circus with the final three spots of the rotation again. Yeah, I mean it's it's an upgrade, and what they had, there's no question about that. Even if, I mean, even if things go terribly wrong, it won't be worse. Uh, I can pretty much say that with, with confidence. Uh, there's definitely a scenario in which some of these guys don't pan out, or even all three of them don't pan out. Um, but the safety level and what these guys have done in the past, and just even if they just eat innings, I think I've got a guy like Cologne who could just throw it till his arm falls off. That's yeah. the kind of guy who I don't mind having. Even if Cologne goes out and posts an ERA of like four uh, seven, and uh, as long as he throws 200 innings, I almost don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. I guess we can go one by one here. We'll start with, uh, let's just start with Julio, just because he's the one uh, guy who we know is going to be good, at least in the recent past, and uh, he's the ace, et cetera. So uh, I don't know. I guess the question, the only question there is, is can Julio sort of replicate what he did last year? Because the year before, of course, was sort of a down year for Tehran, uh, but the year before that was also really good. So hopefully uh, he can, you know, can, hopefully he, he can avoid the, uh, the slip back down. Do you think he can do that after what was a very, very strong year in 2016? 
I think so. I, I think Julio, uh, last year, you could argue, it was his best season yet, and I, I would tend to agree. Um, a guy who has really kind of settled in as, as the veteran of the rotation, or at least the guy who's been in Atlanta for uh, the last couple of years, even though he, um, you know, he, he's not a new face by any means. But if you look at the, the rotation, um, he has by far the most starts of any of anybody with the Braves, at least. Uh, you know, with Julio, I think he kind of is who he is. He's a guy who's going to put up a, an ERA around 3.5. Uh, you know, his career mark is 3.39, and I think that's pretty similar to what we'll see. Um, you know, you hope for his sake that he can stay healthy. He's logged a lot of innings the last couple of years. Um, he's thrown about 600 innings uh, over the last three seasons. Um, but there's only so much you can say about Julio. I think the Braves are really counting on him. He, of course, will make the opening day start next uh, next Monday in New York, and I think we'll have another strong season from him. Yeah, you know, two of the last three years, he's posted a, uh, a Fangraphs war of 3.2. That's about, you know, that's very, very good, obviously, especially when, you, when you're making not, not a lot of money like Tehran is. Uh, in steamer projections, uh, you know, 4.04 FIP, which seems a little bit high to me, a 4.10 ERA, again, seems a little bit high to me. And then Zips is uh, more bullish on Julio with 3.70 ERA, 3.92 FIP, and about a 2.8 uh, F war projection. So, that second one seems about right to me. Maybe a little bit high still. I think uh, if I'm, I, I think I'm optimistic on Julio versus maybe the, maybe these the statistical projections actually are. But most of the time, for those of you that don't know, those are, those are very conservative. They bring things back to the mean. Um, if you look at some of these win projections, even for team by, team based stuff, you see a lot of teams between 84 and 78 um, because that's just kind of the how, how these things work. They're, they're built to be conservative both directions. And I think that's kind of the same way with Julio here. So if I if I told you, you know, Zip says. 3.7 ERA, would you, would you go over or under for Julio on that? Oh, under on a 3.7. Yeah, I would say under on that. And that's the most bullish one. So it's like, I don't know, it's kind of interesting to see. But I think, yeah, somewhere in the 3.5 range, somewhere, you know, optimistically maybe low threes. Uh, I think a, an absolute floor of, you know, 4.0. Even in his bad year in 2015, he uh, had a 4.04 ERA. Um, he's consistently outperformed his FIP too with his ERA. This is, I believe, four years in a row. He's had a yeah. better, a better ERA than a FIP. So that's he's fun. getting he's getting decently close considering it's about 800 innings. I think he is kind of pushing towards like the Matt Cain status of a guy who just every single year outperforms his FIP, um, and that's not easy to do. <laughs> um, but but for uh, for what Julio's been able to do, who knows? Maybe this is the year that he kind of starts to regress and, and is more of the four ERA guy than the you know three 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 four ERA guy he's been the last four years. But I'm with you. I think Julio has a big year. Um, seems to be comfortable. Has pitched pretty well this spring and, and should lead the rotation quite nicely. Well, there you go. Uh, we both hate Julio Tehran. That's that was the big takeaway there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, let's get away from Julio and get get into some more interesting guys. Let's save the old guys for last, and we'll go with Fulty now. Uh, Fulty, as we all knew, is the worst kept secret in the world. It will be in the rotation to open the year, even though the Braves seeming uh, seemingly wanted to act like, like like he wasn't assured a spot. He was always assured a spot, barring injury uh, or some sort of uh, you know complete collapse in spring training that did not happen so uh Fulte coming back for uh year 1.5 in the rotation I guess we could say um what are your expectations for Fulte I guess I'm, I'm not going to tell, tell you the numbers that are that I'm looking at in front of me right now as far as as far as advanced numbers if I was just gonna throw it out there and say what do you expect from Fulte this year what would you say you know just a, a spoiler alert here uh later this week on Talking Chop we're going to talk about um we're going to kind of do the biggest surprises and biggest disappointments and offensive MVP and pitching MVP and all that good stuff. Um, I picked Mike Fultonevich to be the team's pitching MVP of the year. Um, 
I think Fulte is going to have a huge year. I think he's he is going to really kind of break out and um, establish himself as the number two starter that so many people thought he would be um, coming through the Astros farm system and, of course, then coming over. You look at his numbers last year. Um, he had a 3.68 FIP in the second half. Um, his numbers in, in August and September were even better. Um, his FIP in those final two months was near like the 3.3, 3.4 range. Um, struck out nearly uh, 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 nearly four batters for every one that he walked. He seemed to finally have a strength back. And, and with Fulte, you have to remember that towards the end of 2015, as he was kind of getting lit up um, in his first tour of the big leagues, um, he had a potentially life-threatening health condition with blood clots um, throughout his body that, if not treated properly, they can kill you. Uh, and, of course, then last winter, he did not have the opportunity to, um, you know, when, when he should be building strength and recovering from the past season, you know, he was spending it in the hospital uh, getting treatment. So I think he's going to have a really big year. He's looked really, the, really, really good this spring. Um, and it would not surprise me at all if, if he kind of led the uh, Braves' rotation. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely his upside. I mean, Fulte will be 25 this year. That's still, you know, fairly young, but it's time for him to start doing what people expect him to do. And last year, as you mentioned, second half was very, very good. You know, this, the projection systems don't love Fulte this year, as you might imagine, just like just like Julio, a 4.25 ERA projection from Zips, a 4.28 from Steamer. Sounds like you are solidly under on those numbers. Uh, do you think he's going to be able to strike out, you know, a batter per inning or more this year? He, well, he finished last year at 8.1, but uh, that was obviously better than that second half. Do you think he's somewhere in the, you know, 9, 9.5K per 9 range by the end of this year? I think he's closer to that. I also think he's due some better luck. Um, if you look at his, his uh, career numbers through uh, nearly 230 innings in the big leagues, uh, his BABIP against is, is 323. Um, so I think we'll see some positive regression in that, and I do think we'll, we'll see him strike out a few more hitters this year. And I think he'd have. I think he's going to have to. I mean, obviously the, the control and command were better last year than I thought they might be. But uh, it's going to be important that he can, that he can duplicate that in uh, sort of his you know second full season, quote, quote unquote, in the rotation. So it should be fun to see what what uh, what, what Fulte can do. And uh, you know, I'm excited about him. And I think you're not you're not crazy. I don't know if I agree with you, but uh, you're not crazy at all about Fulte because the ceiling is is massive. That's one of the reasons why we were sort of laughing about the about the Braves like not guaranteeing him a rotation spot because it was always going to be faulty in that number five position. Um, all right, let's get to the old guys. We'll go with uh, we'll go with Jaime Garcia, who actually isn't as old, but he was sort of lumped in with the other two. Uh, Garcia is, I think, uh, and you might disagree, but I think he's easily the uh, the most uh, volatile of these three because of the injury concerns. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. He'll be 31 in July, um, but when he pitches, he's usually quite good. Last year was the exception. He was not great last year with the Cardinals with a 4.67 ERA. 4.49 FIP and only a 1.2 F4 despite throwing 170 innings, but he was healthy last year. Previous to that, he was either awesome or he was injured. So uh, I guess same exercise. What, what do you think is probably safe to project from Garcia, even though nothing is safe from Jaime Garcia? Yeah, you nailed it right there. And it's so hard to to be confident, be comfortable with Jaime just because you don't know when he's going to get injured. When he is healthy, uh, he's really good. Um, he's a guy who has a, a career uh, ERA of three five seven over nine hundred innings. Uh, his FIP is three five six, so he, he's very uh, very balanced in that regard. Not a guy who's going to strike out a bunch of hitters, but he's also not going to walk the ballpark. Um, you know, does a nice job keeping the ball on the ground. Uh, doesn't give up a ton of homers. Um, with last year being the exception, 
Um, so with Jaime, I like the trade considering I don't feel the Braves gave up very much to get him. He's in a contract year. Now, whether or not that means anything for him, I, I did like the fact that he avoided going to the WBC to kind of focus on, on this upcoming season was, um, I thought will benefit him. Um, and we'll see if, if the Braves are able to, uh, kind of steal one from St. Louis and get a, uh, good couple months out of him and then either, um, kind of ride him down the stretch or, or potentially flip him at the deadline for a nice return, um, we'll see, but again, it's just all about his health. Um, he, he's, uh, he's only thrown more than 130 innings once since 2011. Yeah. Which is, that's the scary part. I mean, especially, especially the other two guys we'll get to in a second here are, uh, are super duper safe for just at least to throw innings. Garcia is the opposite of that. But I do think that, you know, there's a reason why both steamer and zips have him, have him as projected as, as the lowest ERA on the team, uh, that includes Julio Tehran. He has uh, um, he's been really good and throughout his throughout his career. You know, three as you mentioned, mid threes, ERA mid threes, uh, FIP for his career, and you know, almost almost a thousand innings. That wouldn't be a fluke at all if he was the best ERA pitcher on this team this year. That would not blow me away by any means. But keeping him healthy is going to be the big thing. And uh, you know, neither you or I can actually project what's going to happen with Jaime Garcia. Nobody can because of the fact that he has this whole history of injuries. But listen, he did string together two two good years of uh, of health in 2010 and 2011. So it would not be it would not be the first time if, he, if he, they ever did that twice in a row. But hopefully, the Braves will be able to do that. And I think uh, I think even more so than uh, guys like Dickey and Cologne. Uh, you said the thing about him being flipped at the deadline. Garcia is the perfect guy for that because if he's awesome um, for even in just in, in, into June in in, in early. July, teams might become teams might, might come calling, knowing that his upside is so much higher than that of Dickey and Cologne. That's kind of all that matters in the playoffs. You don't want, you don't want to go out and get a guy like R. A. Dickey for a playoff run just to have another you know fifth starter. Uh, Garcia could be more than that. It might be tantalizing for other teams that might look, be looking to add in trade. And the Braves have been willing, as we've seen, to flip guys at the deadline. Uh, you know, all the time. Yeah. You know, do you give any credence to this kind of notion out there that the Braves kind of the way they're going to order their rotation between Julio, um, uh, Bartolo, and then Jaime Garcia, the lefty, and then Dickey and Fulte? Do you give any credence to that um, being an issue for opposing teams with just kind of the, the vast differences between the five? Or do you think that's just kind of spring training fodder? It's. I think it's most most spring training fodder. I mean, this is a team. Uh, the Braves. This is a Braves team that hasn't had a left hand starter in so long that it's like. I've just conditioned it to not care at all because it was always the same. I mean, the guys. You, you can mix it up in terms of styles, but you know, righty lefty stuff doesn't really matter to me. I don't know. It's. I think stuff's always overblown in my opinion. I guess it could help in a short term situation and on a matchup 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 based situation, but I don't really care. I guess is my my answer. Do you think that matters a whole lot? I'm not sure. I do. No, I don't. I just <laughs> there to make you go. Sure that, that wasn't alone. Yeah. No, I just I don't know. It's in the at the end of the day, it's it's pitcher versus hitter, and like it's a game by game thing. Like it isn't. I don't know regular season, especially like I, I just don't see the value. I don't. I, 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 it's not that I'm opposed to thinking about it a little bit. If I'm the Braves, I just don't think it matters. If that makes sense, like I'm okay if they if they care a little bit about it. And they want to set it up a certain way, but like as the season goes along, like if you have a couple of off days, like you're and you and you want to skip a guy and you want to give Julio Julio another start, keep keep him on on the rails. Like stuff happens during the course of the season. Not everybody's going to make every start. Uh, you want to obviously pitch Julio as often as often as possible because he's your best pitcher, etc. So like I don't know how long is it going to last. Even if they want to do that on purpose, how long is it going to last? Three three four turns. And that'll right. be it until you know you get a rain out, you get a you know yeah. someone needs a day off, somebody gets a blister, or something like that, and then the whole kind of plan gets thrown out the window. Yeah, I mean, we even got a question. I guess we could probably just ask it now because it sort of plays into that. 
is that um, uh, a reader slash listener named Garrett Summers asked, uh, he says, Ari Dickey being the home opener starter is a bit underwhelming. Um, Shouldn't Fulte be the guy there? And my first answer is, uh, I mean, it's really tough to project to even two weeks into the season, but I guess, I don't know. If you want to go, you know, start for start for start, it's supposed to be Dickey. I think you were the first person I actually saw that said that even on Twitter and figured that out before even the beat writers did. But, uh, I don't know. Do you care about that? I understand why fans want to see Volti in a more exciting pitcher than Dickey, but in the yeah. end, like it's you can't really plan that for when, when you're playing that many games away from home before the before opening day. It's kind of whoever gets there gets there. Yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I guess if I had just paid a couple hundred dollars for oh for the Centros Park, uh, and, and you would opener. have had to by the way, because every ticket in the place is a three digit number for opening day. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know, sure. If if I dropped two hundred bucks on a on a you know couple tickets or whatever, um, maybe I would not want to see R. A. Dickey and you know in his four uh, thousandth season in the big leagues. But again, I don't really think it matters. Um, you know, it's just one start. Um, if you if you need a way to to um, look forward to something uh, after opening day. You'll see Fulte on Saturday night and, and Julio on Sunday afternoon. So there you go. Yeah, just go to the whole series. Just call it a day. But uh, for me, uh, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be doing that to go to opening day either. But if, if I was, I'd be much more talking about just being in the building than actually caring who's pitching on that particular day because uh, – and they're playing the Padres. Like they have, they have Will Myers, and that's kind of it. Yeah, I mean, who, who's pitching uh, so, for the Padres that day? Scott, let's figure this out right now. No, I'm just kidding. Right. I don't really care at all. But yeah, in the end, the pitching matchup was never. Even if it was Julio on the mound for that opener, it was going to be Julio against a pitcher that no one knows. At least a lot of Braves <laughs> fans don't know. So yeah. in the end, yeah. it is what it is. Um, okay, we get back to the, the rotation preview here. Let's just talk about Dickey and Cologne kind of together here. Um, these guys are very old. Uh, both were, uh, you know, at least Cologne has been better than Dickey in recent years, but, uh, these guys are there for their durability and their safety. Um, what do you think about just what to project from these guys? Uh, is it just as simple as we want a lot of innings, like I was saying before, or is it a situation where you think one or both of them might be even, you know, average starters to even maybe a little bit, a, a little bit above that? I think it's it's eating innings and just kind of holding down the fort until a couple of the younger kids down in the minor leagues can can reach Atlanta. Um, if you look at Bartolo, for example, um, he's projected by by the systems to pitch about 160 innings, um, which would be as few as since 2012. But 160 innings um, with an ERA right around like 4.2. If I'm the Braves, I would take that all day long. I mean, obviously, you hope that his ERA is a little bit closer to to what it was last year, which was 3.43. But if he can give the Braves 160, 180 innings of an ERA right around four, um, considering what they paid for him, I would take that all day long. Um, I'm a little more confident in Bartolo than I am with Dickey. um, But at the same time, um, Dickey getting out of Toronto and and the American League East and, and going to the NL should benefit him. Um, but again, if he can throw 150, 160 innings with an ERA, uh, not too much above four, um, I would take that all day long. And, and uh, again, after the Braves threw out 16, 17 guys to the, the starting rotation last year, um, I would think the front office would be pretty thrilled. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with basically all of that. You know, the advanced projection systems, you know, Steamer has Cologne at 4.21 ERA, Dickey at 4.26. I'd be okay with both of those. Uh, Zip says 4.20 for Cologne and 4.50 for Dickey. You know, getting up, getting up, getting up there a little bit with RA Dickey, but again, it's the endings more than the ERA. And I don't know. It's Cologne's been better in the recent past, but uh, he also is. Um, 
I don't know. Knuckleballers usually age better than regular pitchers, so it, like Dickey's Dickey being competent at this age would be is, is more is more explainable than Bartolo being competent at this age. I think if one of these guys just falls off a cliff, it's probably going to be Cologne. Is that is that a crazy statement? At least that's that's how I think about. it. I think just because of the way that he, I know he just doesn't strike. It doesn't doesn't walk anybody at all. But if, if there's even a little bit of a uh, an uptick in the walks, like his stuff is just not appealing. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know. I just feel like knuckleball like. Dickey is going to be pitchable, I think. Like, he might be bad, but it won't be, like, you know, ADRA bad. It'll be, like, 5 ERA bad. And like Williams Perez bad? Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to Williams Perez. To um, tell my story one final time, I think I saw five Braves games live last year, and three of them were started by Williams Perez. And that's no what, joke. And that's, what, and that's what you get. That's uh, what I get, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I just, I don't know. Neither one of these guys is very interesting to me necessarily, but uh, I liked both of the moves, which is kind of weird, a weird thing to say. It's just, I, we talked about it earlier, but just how bad the likes of Williams Perez and the, the artist Juan Luna, Espacio Carmona have been. Even Matt Whistler, I think it's pretty safe to assume that one or both of these guys would be better than Matt Whistler would be this year. Yeah. Um, and I'm rooting for Matt Whistler to be better, but uh, what we've seen from him has not been terribly exciting. So hopefully um, these guys will hit their upside, at least one of them. And if, if they don't, you know, cut them. It's, they're one-year deals, essentially. You know, Dickey has an option, but, you know, it's basically a one-year deal for both these guys. And they paid some real money, but the Braves weren't going to spend that money on anybody else. It's one of those things where they just got the money and they used it. Um, I guess the big, the natural question, though, Scott, is what happens if one of these guys goes down or two of these guys go down or or if they decide to flip one of these guys early on in the year? Like Your other options, I guess, are Matt Whistler, Aaron Blair, uh, Josh Colmenter is your internal option. He's, he's already going to be your long man, but he was at least uh, talked about early on as a potential rotation piece. Um, and then beyond that, there's a bunch of young guys. So what, what, what would plan A be if something goes wrong with one of these guys early on? For, for instance, I guess Garcia would be the most natural one because he's the most likely to get injured. But uh, I don't know. What's plan B? What's plan C uh, if one of these guys go down? I think that if it happens at least you know before the midsummer months, anything before uh, June or July, I, I would think naturally it's going to be Whistler just considering he, he has uh, the track record at least of, of pitching against big league hitters. Um, you know, honestly, if I'm the Braves, I would probably throw it to who is ever pitching better in Gwinnett between Whistler and Blair. Uh, you know, people as bad as, I mean, they have been downright awful at the big league level. Like it's hard to say how bad they've been. <laughs> well, Blair but, has, Wh- Whistler has not been like an atrocity. Like Whistler is just kind of low key bad. Blair, yeah. has, Blair has been legitimately awful. But, yeah. Like you know, Whistler's ERA is like somewhere in like the what high fours ish, which is yeah. not, not good at all, but he's not like unpitchably bad Blair Blair is that bad <laughs> yeah you know, Blair's ERA was in the mid sevens last year he yes. almost walked more guys than he than he struck out um so you know if I if I'm if I, again if I'm the Braves I would probably throw it to Whistler or Blair should somebody get hurt um who's ever pitching better in Gwinnett um I both guys certainly aren't aren't finished you know we we, we get disappointed with their production so far but both of them are like 24 25 um, <laughs> there have been many pitchers who have figured it out, you know, at the ripe old age of 24, 25. So if either of those guys could fill in, um, you know, at least, uh, decently for, should somebody get hurt? Um, you know, the Braves aren't giving up on them yet. Um, I have higher hopes for Blair than I do Whistler for what it's worth. Um, but again, it, it's really kind of a, an, you know, one A and one B situation, and hopefully, it's not a situation where the Braves are forced to throw Whistler and Blair in there for you know months at a time because of multiple injuries. 
Yeah, that, that would be bad to be sure. Uh, I guess, you know, the next question would be, you know, if you get into August, September and you've traded one of these guys, or one of these guys is injured and you want to look at, look at the younger guys, uh, is Newcomb the most likely option to, of the younger guys that, that you could see out this year? Like, is there another name out there that we could be keeping an eye on for August, September if something, if all things uh, sort of align and they, have a good, if they have, and they have a good year in the minors? I think Newcomb is the most reasonable choice. You know, he's a guy who will turn 24 here pretty soon. He has about 180 innings in Double A and, and seems likely heading to Gwinnett uh, for his first taste of Triple A. Um, so yeah, I would think Newcomb. I know with his kind of impressive four innings this spring or whatever it is, everyone's kind of pushed for Max Freed, but he's a guy who was pitching in Rome last year. Um, is likely heading to Mississippi and I'll, I'll need another full season in the minors to, to season up. I guess there's a chance that Freed could come up, uh, you know, in, in September, but I, I can't imagine he comes up anything more than just kind of a cup of coffee. Um, but yeah, if, if, if not Whistler or Blair, and again, I think the Braves would be much more likely to use them than Newcomb. Um, but if Newcomb's having a strong year in, in AAA, uh, maybe you bring him up and see what he can do against uh, big leaguers. Yeah, I think I'm with you on all of that. The Max Fried love got out of control there for a minute based on a very small sample. It's pretty Love trade. Max Fried. Love Max Fried, but give it to like 2018. Let yeah. the kid throw against non-A ball players and, and, and then let him, you know, figure his way in the higher levels. It's sort of the same thing with Ronald Acuna. Everybody got really excited. Slow down, everybody. It's fine. He's, he, he can be awesome and still not be ready to be in the major leagues. Uh, all right, before we get away from the, from the starting pitchers, last thing that I did not prep you on this, so you're going ice cold on this one, Scott. Uh, if you were to rank where the Braves' rotation would land in the in the major leagues, uh, where would that be? With the background in that, th- there's been a couple of these rankings out there, and the Braves have not ranked terribly favorably in these. So I'm wondering if you feel those are too low, and if I mean, you don't have to give me an exact number, but like a sort of a range as to how many teams are better slash worse in the rotation than the Braves will be this year. Oh boy! In terms of just ERA and just take—I mean, who would you rather have going into the year? Like, how many teams? Just take Ooh. a guess. Is this—is this—is this the, the tenth best, the tenth worst, the fifth worst? Just be as general as you want to be, but uh, it kind of tells the people how encouraged to be about the rotation this year because I think our, our numbers aren't going to—at least mine won't. Mine won't be as encouraging as other people will be. I will put them in the eighteen to twenty-five range. I don't think they're going to be just god awful, but. I also think there's, and you know, as with most people, should be able to recognize when you have a couple of forty-year-olds in your rotation, um, and then somebody like Jaime Garcia, who, who's injury-prone. And uh, while, of course, we can be excited about Fultonevich, he's never really had a full year um, in the big leagues. Um, I, I would think in the eighteen to twenty-four range or so, which uh, wouldn't be the worst thing, considering that none of them are really, you know, that three out of five are going to be free agents after this year. Um, but that would be my guess. Where are you thinking? Uh, yeah, I think I think we're probably in a, a little bit in the right place there. I would imagine, though, I think if everything went perfectly well, um, it could be a little bit higher than uh, that'll be a little bit higher than that, if only because um, that means that Hunter Garcia is healthy, and that if you have Garcia healthy for a full season, and uh, and, and Julio Tehran healthy for a full season, and Fulty at a pretty reasonable level, you could be looking in somewhere in like if the absolute ceiling is like number fifteen ish. I think safely though. Uh, somewhere in the low to mid, in the low to mid twenty, I say as a, as an encouraging thing, like somewhere between twenty and twenty four or five. So we're basically sure. we're basically in the same spot there. I just I've seen people talk about the Braves being the worst in the league. Um, that's not true for, by any means. Uh, there's a couple of teams that are solidly worse than the Braves are going to be in the rotation. Even if you took the most pessimistic approach um, and just said, "All right, 
what's Julio Tehran's floor? What's uh, yeah. Garcia's floor is probably being injured all season, I guess. But um, even if you just want as negative as possible, I think the Braves would still be uh, out of the basement. They'd probably still be in this sort of the, the mid-20s-ish range. So, I don't know. It's just sort of yeah. an to It was an interesting there, question that you made me look it up. So, to give everyone an idea, last year the Braves' starters, the 4,000 of them that they used, <laughs> had a, uh, a 4.87 ERA with what under. they had. Give me the under on that Um one. Boy, yeah. I mean, if was they that, could was hit, that the worst like, in the league, by the way, that was the worst in the league. No, wasn't it? Uh, ahead of only the Twins, who had the worst record in baseball, and the Diamondbacks, who, oh, you know, you, shout out to Shelby field. Miller, right? Yeah, and shout out to Shelby Miller, um, friend of the program. Uh, for some, for that by himself, essentially. Yeah. To give everyone an idea, uh, the Astros last year were the middle of the pack. They were 15th in starting pitching ERA. Uh, they were at 4.37, so that would be about a half run, exactly a half run improvement for the Braves' starting rotation. Can, can they beat but, that? What do you think? If they got to fifteen, if they got if they were in the middle of the pack, I would not be stunned. I, but I, means, I, I just mean four point three seven. Is that that's, that's that seems like an attainable number to me. Like not one that's like a an easy one, but like if you factor in right somewhere in the low threes for Julio uh, Garcia is probably going to beat that solidly. I think Foley's going to beat that too. I don't know. I think that's that's reasonable ish for the starting rotation. You know, if they could throw up a four point four, I mean, you know, by no means is a four point four one that you want to high five everybody about and go, "Why we're going to be in the the World Series here next week?" Um, but yeah, if if uh, if they can get up in the you know the four four range, kind of that middle of the pack, um, considering just the. Um, the lack of of long term moves made this winter, I think they'd be they'd be very happy with that. They should be. I'll tell you that. I mean, the Braves might not might not might not, might not admit, admit to that on, on the record, but I think going into the year, if you told Copy and Hart that they could have the fifteenth best rotation in baseball with what they're paying for it and no long term commitments outside of Tehran and I guess Fultonevich, that'd be great. I mean, they should love that. They should absolutely love that. And I think some there's been, there's been this notion that the Braves have to be carried by their pitching, and that's I don't know. That's not necessarily true. I think. If you're, uh, I mean, I think the best case scenario for the Braves, we can talk about that if you want to, is just like middle of the pack rotation, top ten bullpen, which means everybody stays healthy and it goes well, and then the, the and then the lineup just being, uh, I don't know, pretty decent, and that and you get to eighty, you get to seventy nine, eighty wins as your absolute ceiling. That's that's the that's the optimistic scenario, I, I think, at least for me. Yeah, you know, if, and again, if the Braves can push for five hundred this year, people should be thrilled. Agree. I mean, you forget this is a team that needed a huge, you know, a 20 and 10 September that nobody saw coming, you know, a 20 and 10 September to get to 68 wins last year. Um, they had the fourth or fifth worst record in baseball. So if they could add 10 wins with without losing any, I mean, if anything, they added to their farm system this past winter. Um, if they could add 10 wins um, while keeping the farm system intact and, and then having quite a bit of money to spend once again next winter, I think they're going to have about... 40 million to spend again. Um, they will be, you know, that that's a win for a rebuilding team. That is absolutely a win. It gets the Braves in the window of contention for 2018. Um, but yeah, if people are going into this season expecting, you know, uh, uh, one of the top 10 rotations in baseball and for the Braves to just score a ton of runs, you know, lead the national league, um, kind of as they did last year, be one of the pace setters in the second half. Um, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. I don't want to sit here and say that there's no chance the Braves don't surprise and, and push above 500. But again, I think it's it's best to kind of go into it with guarded optimism. Um, but the very real possibility that this is a team that doesn't win more than you know 75 games or, or so this year. Uh, well, yeah, there there you go. There you have it in terms of the rotation, all those things. But uh, 
I don't know. I think we're reasonable, if not not not, not overly negative. There, there have definitely been more ones that I've been more negative about. The bench is the one I'm thinking about right now. That the bench is abjectly bad. The rotation is not. It could actually be uh, just fine this year, which is uh, all you can kind of ask for. Um, I, and, we, and we should say also um, this week, uh, the, uh, Talking Chop is doing a, a giant season preview series beginning on Monday with, coincidentally, the starting pitching preview written by Demetrius Bell. So shout out to Demetrius. And also, uh, Ivan the Great, you should definitely check, the, check out these. He's done some uh, advanced statistical projection uh, roundups of each position group, and that included the starting pitching at the end of this week. You, you definitely want to check out that as well. If you're, if you're into deep dives on numbers, Ivan is your man. Uh, and Ivan's, Ivan's fantastic. So check out all that content. I know I'm writing the, uh, I believe I'm writing the bullpen preview. Uh, do you have one of these as well, Scott? I think you might. I think you might. Yeah, I did. I did the lineup and bench, which uh, was actually easier than than you would expect. The lineup is pretty set, um, and we've discussed the whole bench issue. And there, there's not much on the bench, but um, if a couple things break right, lineup might be pretty good. The, the Braves, first and foremost, need Ender and, and Dansby to one stay healthy and two get on base because if if they're not getting on base, um, it's going to be tough considering what the last uh, what the last couple guys in the lineup. Uh, between Flowers, Phillips, and, and uh, Garcia, they have a very limited upside, and it's really gonna, <laughs> it's really going to fall on the top the top six hitters, uh, top really top five hitters to kind of carry the load offensively. I would certainly agree that the the Flowers uh, Phillips Garcia trio is not an inspiring one, um, but we'll see uh, we'll see if one of those guys or two of those guys change over. In fact, it's a good bridge to this to one of these mailbag questions I want to hit on real quick before we get out of here. Um, comes from at WC Sanders three. He says, assuming Adonis Garcia plays just like he did a year ago, which is a bold assumption. That's me adding that, by the way. Uh, when when do you think Rio Ruiz will get the call to regular playing time uh, at, at third base this season? So. Uh, I think you know we hit on this earlier. We 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 would like to see Ruiz on the team right away. Probably not going to happen. Do you think he's going to be able to uh, see the see the big leagues and actually see playing time this year at any point? For whatever reason, the Braves seem to really like Adonis, um, and I, I don't know why. I mean, he he's serviceable at third, I guess. He he's going to hit an occasional homer, um, and that's about it. Um, I guess that they could bring Rio up from Gwinnett at this, you know, it, during the midsummer. At this point, I almost think Garcia would have to get hurt for Rio to get a real shot. Um, I guess midway through the year, if Adonis is having an okay enough year, they might be able to flip him or include him, you know, as kind of a bench bat, a corner infielder to a team that's contending. Um, but at least from what I've gathered, barring an injury, it seems like they're they're kind of fine with riding Garcia for most of the year. Um, I don't agree with that. I know you don't agree with that, but I think that's kind of what, uh, unfortunately, what the Braves are going to do for 2017. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want I want Rio to come up, but I understand he is still very young, and I think if the Braves had a, a more competent third base option, we wouldn't be saying we want Rio up. If that makes sense. Yeah, uh, and also the bench being as bad as it is, I mean, I almost want Rio just be, just to be out, be able as a bench bat, if nothing else, which is uh, kind of what you're talking about in terms of desperation because we we don't know how he's going to hit in the, at the big league level, but. I don't know. I, I'm ready for Rio. Hopefully, sooner rather than later. But it might be uh, later if the Braves, uh, if, if the Braves follow the path that we think they're going to follow this year. Uh, one more before we uh, get out of here uh, comes from Benjamin Lewis, and he says thoughts on if Ronald Acuna hits like we expect, him taking over in right field in 2018, and the and either dumping or trading Nick Markakis. This made me laugh, but uh, it's one of the questions that we keep getting over and over again. I talked about this last week by myself, but I wonder. What you think about Acuna's uh, earliest possible ETA? Because I, I said it was going to be late 2018, but yeah, this, this question is yeah. about opening day 2018. What do you think about that? I, I'm with you. I, it's important to remember that 
for as fun as Acuna is to watch and his great spring that he's had. Um, he's a guy who just turned 19. He turned 19 back in December. Um, somebody who has only played about 90 games professionally um, between rookie ball and last year in Rome. He, of course, got <laughs> hurt last year. So 90 games, by the way. Oh, my um, gosh. You know, is so no, I, I don't think uh, I don't think they are going to bump Marcakis at the end of the year. If they wanted to get rid of Marcakis at the end of the year, I wouldn't be against it. But um, for I think the world of Ron Lacuna, I think he's going to be a stud. Um, but he needs at least another eighteen months to season. Um, if he was the starting right fielder come twenty nineteen, uh, you know that wouldn't shock me. But as far as being ready, you know, in in twelve months from now. Um, do I think Ronald Acuna is going to be the starting right fielder for the Braves? No, um, and that's nothing against him. Um, it's just he's 19 years old and has played 90 games professionally and, and needs a lot more seasoning. Um, big league hitters are, are just a tad better than the ones he's seen so far, um, and he's going to need – and there's zero reason to rush him, especially when you would hate to ruin a prospect just to, you know for the sake of pushing him through quickly. Yep, that's about the answer I would have given, so uh, thanks for the question, but uh, Cunha is a little bit further away than people want to believe, and uh, listen, if you want to th- if you want to make the Andrew, the Andrew Jones comparison, then by all means, but uh, you know, I'm happy to be wrong. If Cunha's awesome uh, this yeah. year again, and they want to, if they think he's actually ready for 2018, and he's actually good right away, then maybe he'll be Raphael for call, or he'll be Andrew Jones, and be one of those guys that just stuns everyone and comes up early. Yeah, but if, if Acuna wants to be a big leaguer when he's 20, and become a should be a Hall of Famer, but isn't a Hall of Famer. I, I don't. No one's going to be upset with that. But I think just realistically, he's at least eighteen months away from from you know being big league ready. For sure. Uh, well, anyway, well, Scott, I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, as always, I'm sure we're going to have you on quite a bit now that Carlos Carlos left us yet again. So shout out to Carlos for ruining the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but Scott, you're you're the man. I appreciate it. Uh, plug anything you want to. I know we already talked about the previous series, which people should definitely check out. But you got you have anything else you want people to look at or follow you on Twitter, all that stuff. Yeah, we'll have the uh, we'll have the preview series each day on on the blog. Um, we'll also have a, the Talking Chop staff did a roundtable, uh, answered five or six questions on a wide wide range of things. Um, I think those start on Tuesday. Of course, you mentioned the the series preview; those run all week. So lots of excitement. Should get the final roster cuts. Um, Friday night is the uh, SunTrust Park opener against the Yankees, so we will uh, or at least the baseball. exhibition. Woo. That's right, the exhibition SunTrust Park opener. Um, to see all the Yankees fans who scalp tickets off of StubHub, um, but yeah, so no, they're not the, selling uh, them. That's the thing. A-list, if you're an A list member, you're not supposed to sell them. Like you're not. They're not I think, in fact, even uh, the Braves stopped you from uh, up. This is my my. This is one of the sources I have as a as an A list member. Um, apparently, the normal process for uploading tickets to StubHub for the ex- exhibition game does not work. Like you have to find interesting. A you have to find a workaround or something because the, they only offer the tickets to A list members. Uh, season ticket holders, I should say, is what they uh, that list members is what they actually call them for Braves fans. But these, these these were not a public sale, so apparently you're not supposed to be able to sell them. I'm not really sure if they were able to do that, but in terms of the actual like the normal process where you just click click the button and they go to StubHub, uh, is not allowed uh, for this particular game. So there you go. Well, that's nice. We won't have twenty thousand Yankee fans at the game on uh, on Friday night. Well, yeah, and it's supposed to be it's just the cold open to kind of let people see what they're supposed to be. You know, where are my seats? Yeah. All that stuff. Um, so yeah, it should be fun. But uh, I will not be there. But I will keep an eye on it. As uh, obviously, you will not be there either, considering your uh, your locale. But by the way, are you coming to Atlanta this year? We should do this on the podcast right now. Are you making the trip at some point? Um, I'm not going to make it out this year, uh, but next year for sure. You're just a wise man. 
Yeah, and you know, again, being in, I'm from Arizona. If anyone here uh, doesn't know that about me, I'm, I'm in Tucson. Um, and considering it's a brand new park uh, and it's you know a thousand miles away from me, um, I would hate to have my first experience just be a terrible one. Um, and hopefully, this first year they're able to kind of get the bugs out. They're able to get all the you know the roadways and the bridges built um, just to kind of smooth out that. Because I think if you're a betting man, uh, there's going to be some issues at least in the first couple months of the year. Oh, so. Yes. Yeah, 2018, plus the team should be a little bit better next year. Um, hopefully, uh, yeah, sometime 2018, I will make my, my SunTrust Park debut. Well, when, you, when you do that, we'll have to uh, have a talking shop night or something like that, Scott. But uh, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, we will uh, let you uh, get back to whatever it is that you're doing here, and I should probably write my, uh, my answers to the, to the, to the uh, roundtable because I haven't done that yet. So that's my, that's my next task for those of you who want, who want to look behind the curtain. I'm lazy. I've not written that yet. So it's time for me to do that. Well, th- thank you, sir, for doing this. Of course, of course. Thanks for having me on, Brad. I always enjoy it. As for everybody else, uh, please stay tuned. Uh, check out the site this week for another big week of content. Opening day is just around the corner. And uh, with that, we'll be back next Sunday. So stay tuned. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, Mom. (laughs) No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.